Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 70 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with the amazing author, blogger, and fellow podcaster, Jimmy Moore, about all things low-carb, so stay tuned. Very cool. He's got a heck of a story. Anyways, if you've missed, I know, right? Uh, I can't. I honestly really can't wait. Um, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation podcasts, uh, radio podcasts, you can super easy download and listen to them at your leisure, iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. And bear with me as I hold my microphone. I don't think I could be a singer. Uh, normally, I have it all set up, uh, but I couldn't do that today. So I'm holding my microphone, and I feel like I should be on stage, or I should throw my arms in the air, something. Oh, a little bit. So I just have one hand. So you, the typing is going to be interesting. Okay. So you, welcome to my world. I do that every time I'm holding the phone. That's, just, that's crazy. You're weird. I don't know how you do I that. I am weird. That is so weird. It's an opposite Jimmy, woman, uh characteristic. It is right. Well, you're already you're already opposite woman. So okay, Jimmy Moore. If nobody, um, that's I doubt, has heard of this man, he's pretty incredible. He's um. His website and uh, kind of co-name, I guess, is uh, Live in La Vida Low Carb, which is great for me because I love that. I'm a Costa Rica chick, so I totally get that, and I think it's uh-huh. fun. So um, he's got an amazing personal story of transformation, and uh, he's got some books and all kinds of things. So we are we are excited to talk to him today. It's going to be fun. Uh, it is, and without further ado, it looks like he is with us. So let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Let's do it. Good morning. Hey, hey, hey. Are, are we singing today? <laughs> you might. It depends. Oh. I've, got my, I've got my hand up in the air and everything. Throw your hands in the air. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be a good one. I know. Uh, well, yeah, baby. hi, sir. It's so hey, good hey, to hey. talk to you. I'm so What's glad on, to, you guys? to have you on. We are, uh, oh. we are just talking thyroid and girly stuff last week we talked pokemon go you know i'll skip the girly yeah. stuff but i can talk about thyroid <laughs> uh, what about pokemon go you can't talk about that oh i don't give a rap you know what about pokemon go i have too much real life stuff going on to I worry know. about exactly. that kind of stuff <laughs> i love the I meme that's just... going around that i love the meme that's going around that says Workimon. How come we can't do the working on go? I know my. I'm looking for a job. I wonder if they're going to do a study about the the reduction in productivity ever since this uh, this app became available. I bet it's very high. Oh my high. gosh! Wasn't didn't someone at some? Uh, I think it was either the Republican National Convention or the Democratic National Convention, and he was doing Pokemon Go. He was a reporter or something. It was someone pretty big. It was, he That's was caught funny. doing the Pokemon Go thing. That's, well, what's disgusting is they do it in like uh, Arlington National Cemetery, and I'm like, really? Oh. Let's let's have a little bit of like decency oh. about it if you're going to play that game. Oh. Oh, right, no, no, no. I right. I, I want to say, okay. gosh, and it. I was on um, AM radio, which is it just annoys me every Tuesday. I have a long drive, so I try to annoy myself awake. But uh, they were talking about, um, oh shoot, and I can't can't remember the. Oh, never mind. The nature of it. It'll come to me. But it okay. was, it'll come to her. We call those um, brain parts, but yeah. So yeah, brain parts. And we also have um we also have uh flower filled moments on the show too. So when uh we all stop and there's dead air 
we're just absorbing something really great that you said, and we're just in our flower field moment. So oh, I don't allow that air on my buttons. shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need the button that has angels. Well, that's why we call, see we're thyroid patients, both of us. There so you that's go. why in the very beginning we thought, okay, that's kind of weird with dead air. But then we go, oh, and sing for that's our right. flower field moment because there you go. it's one of those moments you can't help it. Sometimes you just got to like absorb what they're saying. So. So let's talk about you. Let's do it. Let's get into the history. Let's get into the very beginning. an amazing story. We, we want to hear it because it, it really is awesome. So go. Thank you. So in 2003, I was 410 pounds at the age of 32. I wore size 62-inch waist pants, 5XL shirts, three prescription medications for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, breathing issues, I was a mess. I, I literally was a ticking time bomb waiting to explode and probably die if I didn't make a change. The problem is every single change I'd ever done before was a miserable failure. Now, when I say failure, I don't mean in weight loss because I, I knew how to lose weight. The problem was keeping it off. And, and you know, the more I've done this, the longer I've done this, I realize it's really not about the weight loss but the health gain that you get. And so if you can gain health by any means uh, possible, um, you should do that. And so it was in December of 2003 that my mother-in-law, God bless her soul, gave me a diet book for Christmas. Yeah, thanks, Mom. I know I'm fat. So (laughs) she gives me uh, a diet book, and I'm going, okay, you know, I've tried all these diets, and and she'd done that before. I I got Dr. Phil's book one year, Today Can Be a Changing Day in Your Life. No, I just, you know, I I knew I needed to do something, but it's like all these ones that I'd done before were all predicated on the same formula. Cut your fat, eat more healthy whole grains, and exercise till you drop. That's basically the template for most of the quote-unquote healthy diets out there. So she gives me a book this time that was radically different. It was Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. Yes, that Dr. Atkins. And it was a a diet that comprised of low-carb and high-fat, and you're supposed to lose weight with this. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's a cardiologist. He's telling people to reduce the very thing that gives them energy. How are you supposed to survive and thrive if you're not eating carbohydrate? And then eat more fat, really? A cardiologist telling people to eat the very thing that we know clogs your arteries and gives you heart disease? And yet, I have never tried this before. And I thought, you know what? No time like the present to give something new a try And I did. January 1st, 2004, started on the Atkins diet as written by the book, not just bacon, egg, and cheese, but all of those other yummy vegetables and things you get to have on the Atkins diet. And within the first month, I lost 30 pounds off that 410-pound body. And the second month, I started adding in a little bit of exercise, like three miles an hour on the treadmill walking. That's not a lot now, but back then when I was still 380, it was a lot. And so uh, I was, I tell people I was weightlifting <laughs> because I was lifting all that weight yeah. that was on my body at the time. My That's legs true. are muscular now because of that. <laughs> so so uh, I lost another 40 pounds <laughs> in, uh, in that second month. And by the end of 100 days, it was 100 pounds gone. And it was at that point that I said, hmm, there's something to this Atkins diet, at least for me. And so by the end of that year, I did end up losing a total of 180 pounds, which kind of catapulted me onto the diet world scene 
the Atkins people got a hold of me and they said, hey, can we feature your story on our uh, front of our website? I'm like, uh, I don't know who you are because I didn't use any of those Atkins <laughs> products or anything. But I was like, right, uh, right. okay, sure. And they threw it up there, and I started getting all these emails from around the world. Where's your book? Where's your blog? Where's your – like, well, you people leave me alone. Wow. I'm just living my life. And I parlayed it into a business and started living La Vida Low Carb. Yes, I was a Ricky Martin fan. It's kind of a dated reference now. I've me been too. doing this so long. It was kind of an old song when I when I started the blog, but uh, now it's a really old song. I think I think I'm well more well known than Ricky Martin. No, that's not true. So, <laughs> just kidding. So, living La Vida Low Carb blog in April of 2005, and then a year later, uh, this guy said, "Hey, if you talk half as good as you write, you should be a podcaster." And of course, podcasts weren't that big back then, right? Especially in the health realm. A lot of political podcasts, but not a lot of health ones. Rob Wolf wasn't around yet. Mark Sisson, uh, Sean Croxton, all the kind of usual suspects, Dave Asprey, Abel James, they weren't around yet. And this guy mm-hmm. said, just get on there and, and rant. So uh, first like 50 or so episodes of uh, the Living La Vida Low Carb show were me ranting, basically reading blog posts in a dramatic way. And then I started going to conferences, and somebody said, hey, you should start interviewing some of these doctors and different ones. I'm like, I don't know how to interview. I have no skill set in that. And I said, uh, okay, so I start interviewing, and now here we are uh, all these years later, 1,100-plus episodes of the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. It's now the longest-running health podcast on the Internet. It's probably what I'm oh, most wow, famous Oh, wow, very cool. Now where I've gotten interviewed okay. literally everybody in the world, everybody but you guys in the world of health. <laughs> so um, really, really honored to do that. And then that caught the attention of a major publisher in 2012, and I've been off to the races. Wow. And you've got some great books. I honestly have to admit, I am going to be ordering some of your books, which is, you know, when you've talked to quite a few people, there's, you know, books that you like, and then there's books that you're like, I need that book. I'm referring to your <laughs> cholesterol book. That's uh it's such a crazy, crazy subject, and um, yes, I, I'm going to get really that <laughs> Well, and i got to tell you, it's a funny story uh, about that because when I uh, got the, the call from the publisher, they wanted me to write books. They said, what do you want to write about? And, of course, in 2012, I was deep into learning and studying and, and testing on myself the whole idea of nutritional ketosis, which we'll talk about here in a second. But I wanted to write a book on keto. And they were like, uh, nobody's going to care about that. Right, um, right. You know, what else you got? And I was like, really? You're just going to give up on it that quickly? But I'm learning about the book business. They only want to uh, do what they think sells and they don't care what your opinion is. But anyway, um, later they we did. We were just care talking about is. that. Before we were we, just talking before about we that. came on the podcast. We were just talking we were. about that. <laughs> yeah. So they say, what yeah. else you want to do? And I say, well, the cholesterol issue is one that I'm always intrigued by because I think we got it dead wrong. They're like, yep, that's the one we want you to do. So I, I did cholesterol clarity first, and I'm kind of glad because it got my feet wet with a major publisher. I'd self-published a couple of books, but I had never worked with a publisher before and all the games and hoops you got to play right. with them. But <laughs> yep, so that's how the cholesterol clarity came about first. I love that cholesterol clarity. What the HDL is wrong with my numbers. That is an hey, you awesome had to have title. some fun and with I, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was a sure, guy in my church. I was just describing the book to him, and I said, I need a good, like, pithy subtitle to Cholesterol Clarity. And I told him a little bit what it was about, and he said, yeah, what the age is wrong with my numbers? I went, <gasps> I, like, bought that guy's steak dinner, and uh, I, I took care of him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, though. I love okay, it. Okay, so I'm going to. 
I'm going to, I want to rewind you a bit. Can we go back to, who just did that? Did you do that? That was perfect. That's perfect. Sound effects not included. Uh, I love it. We so need that. But then then we would be worse than we normally are. I mean, mean, Dan and I have trouble staying focused as it is. Oh, (laughs) yeah, right. sound effects. Hey, at least you don't have a techno beat going in. No. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay, we that's for the future. Because invited we the wrong guests on today. Yeah, Dan and I are never we serious. No, the, we are the not serious. The two of us together are never, ever serious. Like, it's it's just constant laughing, which is what's so uh, awesome. That's I don't get I to let my hair down too often until I'm on other people's shows. You know, mine is not <laughs> a stuffy show, but I'm a little more formal, so I like to kind of be me when I'm on other people's shows. Well, yeah, and, and that's why we, that's what Dan I was wanted. Say, Go ahead, Dan. That's yeah. what we wanted. That's what we wanted. Let's all I mean, talk there at was, the same time. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Moore, you know, live in La Vida Low Carb, you know, uh, podcast. You know, we thought, well, gosh, you know, we're we got to do something different than that, right? We got to stand out. He's got all these podcasts and all these shows. He's a, whatever. So we're just gonna like, you know, be a little more casual and. So far, it's working, and we're only on number there you seventy. Go. But we're proud, That's and we love it. We're babies. That's the way we're to babies in the big ball. Be game. your okay. own voice. Oh yes, seventy. You're actually about halfway uh, from where most people are when they start podcasting. I've obviously been doing this a very long time now, almost a decade, and I've seen ones come and go. It's so funny. Some come and they're like burning white hot for a period of time, and you can tell they burn themselves out. And if you get to the point where you stop uh, enjoying it and lose that passion, that's what's going to happen. So uh, I'm happy that you've made it through 70 episodes. Yeah, another 70, and you'll be an old-timer. And we'll be an old-timer. We're halfway. Which means I'm already in the grave like 10 times over. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so let, let's get to the goods because everyone's like sitting there going, okay, stop farting around. Okay, get to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, not really meat and potatoes because I'm sure we're going to talk about potatoes. But I want to go back to uh, genetics, family. How did you get to that weight? Bad eating, stress. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got there? What a great question. So, um, yeah, I grew up in a family. My mom was a single mom most of my childhood. So uh, she divorced my dad when I was only about one and a half. And so for most of my childhood, I was uh, growing up, you know, with a single mom. So single mom means single income. I had an older brother, four years older than me, who probably put away more food than I did. And then a younger sister, a couple years younger than me. And so mama, you know, on her secretary salary was trying to feed all of us and keep the house and all that stuff. So needless to say, what do you gravitate to when you don't have a lot of money? It's what I like to uh, affectionately call crappy garbage. And it was wow. all over our house. That. We had blueberry crunch. Oh, you haven't heard crappy garbage before. Uh, so, um, yeah. So blueberry crunch and Doritos and Coca-Cola oh, and hamburger helper. Uh, uh, can I get a witness? Oh. Anyone? So we had all of those things, and and it just became normal. Uh, you know, the canned biscuits. Remember those like grands? Oh, yeah. I, I I don't haven't had those in forever, but do they still make them? But anyway, uh, they do. Had, Is that crazy? They do they? still make them. They do. <laughs> and they had the little butter in them, and or, so or fake grand? butter. What about, the, 
What about the cinnamon ones with the cinnamon? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh Mama used to put that and the, and the frosting on yeah. top. Yeah, she did all that stuff. So so that's that's the culture of food that I grew up in. And, of course, my mom uh, was always uh, obese pretty much her whole life. I remember seeing pictures of her when she was pregnant with me, and she had to be at least 380 pounds, at, at oh, least. My. Uh, really big. Uh, and I was 10 and three quarter pounds when I was born. So yeah, she had major insulin resistance that then she passed on to me. So I'm sure I have a lot of genetics that, that are at play, but the expression of those genetics really got bad when we started right. eating all the bad food growing up. So everybody's like, well, when you become an adult, you should know how to eat. I'm like, how would you know how to eat if your right. culture of growing up was crappy carbs everywhere? So needless behavior. to say, I go off to college and yeah, you, th there's no way you would know that unless you took a nutrition course or, or whatever and got it somewhere else. Of course, the internet wasn't around when I was in college in the early nineties. So, so I'm uh, sitting there gaining weight throughout my twenties. And a lot of it was like you said, some of that emotional eating, some of it was just, I was just bored. I just wanted to eat a whole pizza. I, I didn't care that I was eating a whole pizza because I didn't really put the connection between what I was putting in my mouth and my state of health. It never was on my radar screen. Wow, I've never talked about this before, so this is good. A good question. Um, and so, you know, it was it was just a, a progressive thing that, you know, I'd, I'd do a few years of eating whatever I wanted, and then, oh, I guess I should do something healthy. So I'd cut my fat for a little while. In fact, 1999 very famously went on a no-fat diet. I had no fat in my diet at all. I would have naturally fat-free marshmallows. And then I would have a naturally low-fat food Twizzlers, you know, and these kinds of things because those marketing gimmicks will grab you and they'll say, hey, this is what you need to do to be healthy. And nobody in their right mind thinks that Twizzlers is a health food, and yet they have the marketing on there, and that sells the people, unfortunately. It's and it sold to me. It does. And, you know, it's crazy. My husband and I tease. I hope Jane Fonda doesn't come, you know, knocking down my door one day. Oh, but God. I tease and say – I tease and say Jane Fonda, it's all Jane Fonda's fault because she started this great movement and then all of a sudden the marketing and everything. Right? And all the totally and all the marketing and everything just went, you know, followed right behind her and it was like it just didn't stop. It was this, you know, snowball rolling down the hill and you know, here Jane Fonda was doing her you know, jumping up and down and doing all this stuff trying to do good and, and had a just, fabulous body. So everyone's yeah. like, man, I can, I can do that, and then I can look like or, her. I'm, I'm all over this. <laughs> or Susan Powder and the whole Stop the Insanity. Oh, and, oh my God, remember yeah, that? Yeah, all of those things. Oh, that so is crazy. fantastic. Oh, he's right up our alley, too. Yeah, it's, it, it, <laughs> he totally is. The dieting and fitness industry just frustrates me to no end because they're Band-Aids, a lot of what they're doing. Yes, and and are. those band-aids don't help people that were in my situation when I was growing up and getting bigger and bigger. They would be a temporary fix, but not a long-term solution. And so we need we need to help people find those long-term solutions, which is, you know, why I'm so passionate about helping people find what works for them. If it's a low-carb ketogenic diet, then you know I want to give them good resources right. to help them with that. But if it's not, I want that to point them in the right direction. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all diet or a one-size-fits-all lifestyle change is going to work for everyone, but there, there sure are good not. principles. Yes, there is not. There, and that, that is something that is so frustrating. Oh. That's totally. 
total flower field. field moment. You have one of those? Do you have one of those oh, buttons? Yeah, oh. you got one. We need one. We need to borrow your oh. We need to borrow your I just figured out, you know, this? we're talking about we're talking about epic failure dieting, and of course, we could probably spend the whole show on gluten free uh, and the the craft. Oh my that gosh! That don't get me produces. started on that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? But I figured out what book I'm going to write someday. I'm going to yeah. write a book called "How to Put Your Blood Sugars on Speed: Remove the Fat." <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it. Okay, wow. because people don't yeah. realize that's a huge. You know, a diabetic diets are their big thing is fat free, fat free, low fat, fat free. And what's ironic about that is when you remove the fat, what's left? Carbohydrate put, and protein. What are the only two things that affect your blood sugar? Speed. Carbohydrate and protein. <laughs> it's so true. Duh. I mean, <laughs> if I removed the fat, I would be in deep, deep do. Let's just put it that way. And it's, well, all, it's always fun. To tell people yeah. to experiment with that. That's one of my, I've got several cheats that involve fat for blood sugars. But there's my book. I'm going to write it someday. There you because go. You I want to see like it. got me like the deer in headlights. And I even get nutritionists that will argue with me. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, just, they don't get it because they're not diabetic. So you have to, you have to actually have the problem to understand how that all works. Absolutely. And a lot of those dietitians and nutritionists, a lot of the dietitians, nutritionists, uh, they come at it from the field of, oh, well, well, this uh, has been the way I've eaten. And so therefore, if I can eat this way and be, you know, X in my health, therefore, it should be universal for everyone. And that's That's another pet peeve of mine is they haven't walked a mile in Jimmy Moore's shoes because this body is messed up. (laughs) And, right. and no, it, it's not going to be as easy for me as it's going to be for that perky little young 20s uh, dietitian who's saying, just eat your healthy whole grains and cut your fat and everybody, everything will be okay in your health. No, right. and that's what Tiffany and I say on our, almost every show. We, there's no one size fits all. So that's, we were like, amen when you said that because truly everybody is individual and that's what makes us so unique and fantastic, right? I mean, we're we all come from different mothers and different backgrounds and, and different environments and where you live has, has a role to play and you're how boring would the world be? You. God, right? And so how could anybody think that, you know, there's just one way to, to fix things. So it's, it's very single minded and very frustrating for both Tiffany and I as well. Yeah. It's one of those things we're just going to have to keep battling, I suppose. And I, and I do think those things are changing. I think people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And thanks to the proliferation of podcasts and shows like yours and the internet in general, just having great information out there, you know, it's, it's impossible almost for people to not hear an alternative message if they're wanting it. They can get an alternative message, but I will tell you that what happens is, is they torture themselves. Because Dr. Oz is so smart, and he said, "Oh, there's the way another one. Eat. Don't get me started. Don't get so me started." So and so is so smart, <laughs> and this is the way I should eat. And rather than consulting themselves and going, I feel like crap. Yeah. But I'm doing all of these things that are so healthy, quote unquote. But I feel like crap. But I'm going to completely ignore my own body, and I'm going to keep going in this direction. And I, it, that is like a huge pet peeve of mine. It's like, but and you they know ignore what? their own messaging. Their body's going, for the love of God, change something because we are not going to make it for another week. And they're like, yeah, but this is healthy. I, I, this should be the way I'm supposed to be well. And it's very frustrating for me because there's so many different philosophies. You know, with the Internet came the, you can get anybody to agree with anything somewhere. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. The, and it can be a, a very confusing place for people who uh, are easily swayed. Yeah, it, it's an American pastime to beat yourself up when things aren't working as you think they should work. When you, when you try to do some modality to, to change your health uh, and improve your health, and if that modality doesn't work, okay, what am I doing wrong? So we blame ourselves for something that may not have anything to do with what you're doing. You may be doing exactly perfectly what the USDA food guide pyramid had to say, right. or what's it called now? My plate has to say, and you could be doing it exactly perfectly. And if you're not listening to your body, you could be feeling cruddy and you're like, okay, why am I feeling cruddy? What am I doing wrong? And I think right. we, we put the focus on the wrong thing. Sometimes you got to try, try again and do something differently. And we're not being given those options, at least not from a, a codified authoritarian position from the dietitians and even our own doctors. I, I know when I, I've gone to the doctor with my, my wife, Christine, uh, one time she had her, her cholesterol was a little bit higher than he wanted it. And he said, and I was sitting in there and he knows what I do for a living. <laughs> and he said, um, you know, you need to cut your, your, your fat in your diet, to get that <laughs> cholesterol down. Uh -oh. And I went, Oh Did you no, right you up? didn't. Right. And uh -huh. so, so he, he and, and and he was kind of pushing this uh, statin and cutting the fat and all this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to help her. Oh, okay. Well, Jimmy's going to fix your cholesterol numbers. And so six months later, what we did was we basically, uh, during that six months, we raised her fat. We doubled the amount of fat that she was eating. And her cholesterol came down like a champ to basically normal range. And he didn't say a darn thing when we went back for the six-month update. And see, One those are the kind of things. things yeah. Absolutely. One of my one of my favorite things to do is tell uh, my clients to ask their doctor for two months before they you know go on a medication, and yeah. the simple addition of coconut oil and yes. what that can do to cholesterol to me is absolutely fascinating. I mean, we're talking about a huge range. You know, thirty points. I've seen it drop as low as forty points with simple, teeny tiny changes. And the beauty about that is if you ask your doctor, can I add coconut oil? I would say a yeah. healthy 95% of them would say, oh, hell no. But right. if you say, can I just have two months to make some food changes and then come back? And, because then you're talking in terms of their number. You're speaking their language. Right. So then, and then on the flip side, then you tell them what you did. And then inevitably, you educate the physician at the same time. They still have absolutely – I'm going out on a limb here. So when I get shot, you all will know why. But – they have absolutely no idea what the enormous role of cholesterol actually plays in the human body. I'm going out on That's a limb. Right. Because you can go in Medscape and you can watch the arguments between physicians on articles that involve cholesterol. Salt's another one. That's another one. They're clueless, completely clueless on salt's yep. role in the human body and how imperative it is. But it, it, I love that. I love that. So she changed her cholesterol. What did he say? Did you just zip him up? He didn't say a word, and I and I, you know, in hindsight, I kind of wish I'd I'd prodded him. So, what do you think about the changes in her cholesterol with no medication? <laughs> and I, by the way, I I fed her twice the amount of fat. When you said to cut the fat, I actually doubled it. You know, I, that would have right. been fun. But you know, well, he's a nice guy, and he's been a good family physician for us. When we break our arm, we want him to put it back together again. Right. But the thing right. that most people don't realize is doctors have no nutritional education to speak of less within their medical training. Yep. Maybe, maybe a couple, 
couple of uh, weeks, but even that has, no, you know, there's no teaching of the role of insulin that's happening in the body and, and why you need to keep that under control and why carbohydrates are probably a big, you know, reason why that would be out of whack. And yeah, n- none of those things are ever taught in medical school. They're giving pharmacology and physiology and that's about right. it. Right. No, that's so true. It's a huge frustration. And I think, you know, uh, don't you think that, you know, in essence, everyone is, you know, angry with, with, with medicine and they're blaming their doctors because they're not well and blah, blah, blah. But I really think a lot of it is the fact that we're expecting a bit too much. We're expecting our physicians to have all the answers, lifestyle, food, you know, that, that's not yeah. their, their realm of education. That's not what they're designed and trained to do. So, and you know, even the ones who do have the training in, in nutrition, they don't have the proper perspective either. I'm talking no. about the nutritionists and the yeah. dietitians that are traditionally trained. They're given the low-fat, high, healthy, whole-grain dogma, um, and unfortunately, they also are the leading voices in, in uh, opposition to some of these alternatives like a ketogenic diet. Oh, ketosis will be very acidic for your body and it'll be very dangerous. And so they kind of throw all these hyperboles out there. I've, I see headlines all the time and I see these articles written by RDs and you'd think ketogenic was coming right. to get your grandma or something. That's how bad it is. <laughs> well, that's a great, that's a great door cracking. So let's talk about ketogenic yeah. and, um, and what that means to you because I, I do, I'm going to let you just have at that ketogenic. What does it mean? Yeah. So, you know, most people walking around, probably 95% of the world's population is walking around as a sugar burner. In other words, your primary source of fuel is this thing called glucose and glucose, uh, you know, is in the body when most of your diet is what the authorities say you should be eating. And that is carbohydrate. So the carbs uh, turn very quickly into sugar in the body, and you're what I like to call a sugar burner. But what a lot of people don't realize is there's an alternative fuel source for the body that actually the body prefers, and the fuel source that it prefers is fat. Yes, the F word. I said the F word. Uh, fat is good for mm, your body. I like that. I'm I know, say right? That. Jimmy Moore said the F word on our show. <laughs> F-word. Oh, I have another F word for you here in a minute, and it's a four-letter one. I can't wait. And so, uh, um, wow, you threw me off my game there a little bit, F word. So, uh, so, yeah, so fat is so important, and, and unfortunately, um, it's one of those things that you just have to embrace. And so when you want to be a fat burner, the thing that happens is you've got to reduce your carbohydrates. So if you choose to be a sugar burner, you've got to eat mostly carbs as your primary source of fuel. But when you want to be a fat burner, you invert that. You increase the amount of fat and reduce the amount of carbohydrates. Protein pretty much stays constant at around 15-ish percent. And so when you make that switch, when you lower your carbs down to your tolerance, which is, again, what we talked about earlier, very highly individualized. You want it to be to your carb tolerance. And because of my history of bad eating and insulin resistance and genetics and all the things we talked about, I can only have maybe 25 or 30 total grams of carbs in a day, which is mostly my vegetables that I eat. And then protein is moderated down to around 80-ish grams, 80 to 100 grams of protein, which is about five uh, ounces of meat plus maybe a few eggs in there 
and that's it for the whole day. So then the preponderance wow. of the calories comes from fat. And, and so I've, I actually wrote a cookbook all about how you can get that kind of ratio of uh, carbs to protein to fat in your diet. And so when you do this over a two to four week period, your body does this shift from sugar burner over to fat burner. And one of the byproducts of this fat burning is called ketones. And so the ketones show up. Uh, there's actually three ways you can test for ketones in the urine, in the blood, and in the breath. And I can get all geeky and tell you what those are if you want to. But, um, but basically, when you make that switch, your body now is, is running primarily on fat. So if you're a fat burner, you've got to eat fat in order to, uh, to be fueled. And you're fueled very well when you do that. And when you make that shift over, your brain actually clears up. You know, a lot of people, they talk about having foggy brain and not being able to think clearly and having a lot of the, the mental uh, stuff that goes on. That's a carb brain. That's a sugar brain. That's something that's very easily remedied if you shift it over to a ketogenic diet. So in a nutshell, ketogenic is shifting from sugar burning to fat burning, and it gives you all sorts of health benefits that we talked about in my book, Keto Clarity. Right. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and uh, play devil's advocate. Again? There are those experts. I must just be in a devil's advocate type of mood this morning. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You might be the devil today. What they put in my coffee? <laughs> 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 uh, there are those that say the body requires a minimum of 70 grams of carbs a day. What's your response to that? Actually, they say it's 130 grams of carbs a day is what a lot of the duh, duh, duh dietitians right, say right, right. Um, because <laughs> that 130 is what is necessary to fuel the brain. So if you get anything less than 130 grams of carbs and you're a sugar burner, if you get anything less than that 130, the dietitians seem to think, well, that's the only way you can fuel your body. So if you don't get 130 grams of carbs, you're going to have mental fog and you're going to have all these, these issues. What, they, what they're not acknowledging is there is another way to fuel the body. So when you shift over from the sugar burning to the fat burning, that, that doesn't apply anymore. Those 70 or 130 or whatever your number is for the number of carbohydrates, it just doesn't it just doesn't apply anymore because the fat now becomes your source of fuel. And here, here's some numbers that I think will shock your audience. When you are a sugar burner, you want to take a guess at how many calories worth of energy your body has at its disposal before you have to refuel. Do you know? Uh, I do not know. So it's 2000 calories. So basically at any given time, when you're a sugar burner, you have 2,000 calories worth of fuel at your disposal before you have to fuel up again with more sugar-burning calories, which is, like I said, mostly carbohydrate. Protein does it a little bit, but it's mostly carbohydrate. When you're a fat and ketone burner, what do you think it is for a, a fat burner, uh, the number of calories at your disposal of, of a thin person even? Not There's that dead burner. silence again. <laughs> That's not a flower field moment. That's a, uh. That's a uh, what? So I'll tell you. So it's 2,000 for sugar burning, for fat and ketone burning. Hold on to your seats, you guys. It's, of a thin person, 40,000 calories worth of energy. So is it any Whoa, wonder wow. why your body feels so satisfied and why you're so happy when you're in a ketogenic state? Your body is well nourished, well-fueled, 
especially if you're eating, you know, good quality foods like grass-fed meats and quality fats and organic vegetables and those kind of things, if you're doing it the right way, you're going to sense all of those benefits um, in energy levels, even a spontaneous uh, uh, desire to do the other F, F word we were talking about, and that's f- 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 fast. You can, you can go many hours without eating. Wow. Okay, so i got to ask you. Yeah. A day in the food of Jimmy. Go. Give us a day. You know, it's kind of interesting because there's no typical day because I do listen to my body's satiety signals. Uh, okay, a lot of the world awesome. go, a lot of the world says breakfast, lunch, snack, lunch, dinner, snack, and and midnight snack, which uh, Taco Bell has referred to as the fourth meal. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we have this culture that tells us eat every few hours. In fact, I just interviewed somebody on my podcast just yesterday, and and he was talking about eating every three hours. And I'm like, really? And he was a ketogenic proponent. And I'm like. Really? Really? When you eat this way, you're satisfied. You don't want to eat, you know, maybe one or two meals total. So for me, normally that's a diabetic thing, not eating, not going longer than three hours without eating. For the blood sugar, that that can create a whole a whole slew of problems (laughs) for some people. Yeah, absolutely. The the problem is when you eat every three hours, you never give your pancreas a rest. You're constantly spiking the blood sugar, even with with lower carb meals, you, you just are constantly making the pancreas have to deal with that food. Whereas if you have the periods of fasting, which is where that one to two meals eating a day when you're ketogenic is so important. So you ask, what do I eat? So if I'm not hungry when I wake up, I do something pretty amazing. I don't eat, you know, and you've heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I agree with that statement. I just don't think it's at eight o'clock in the morning because think about the word. The word is breakfast, break the fast. So when you break the fast, my, my break fast may be at one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And so if I start to get uh, hungry and I want to have something uh, around one or two in the afternoon as my first meal of the day, so be it. So that meal could be, and, and we have chickens in our backyard and we got a fresh garden. So you now I'll go get some fresh eggs from my chickens and I'll get some uh, vegetables from the garden, cook, uh, cook those up in some grass-fed beef or, or grass-fed uh, butter, excuse me. Um, although grass-fed beef in it wouldn't be bad either. Um, and maybe have some, um, <laughs> some sausage or bacon with that and maybe an avocado with that and, and also maybe some sour cream and cheese. You see how you get a lot of fat into the meal. It's very easy when you, uh, when you start doing it that way. So that meal will probably carry me for most of the rest of the day. And if I'm not hungry the rest of the day, guess what? That was my meal for the day. One meal. Now, I don't want anybody to hear me say, well, eat one like 500 calorie meal and that's all you eat in a day. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That will mess with your thyroid. Don't do that. Um, you know, make sure you're getting say, the entire thyroid community, Jimmy, right now that's listening is going, <gasps> you just hit yeah. dairy and oh my God. Yeah, but keep going. Well, and if so you, you can't have about- dairy, there are certainly alternatives to getting fat in uh, coconut-based products are your friend. Ghee, oh, sure. ghee yeah, if you can good. have the ghee, is your friend. So, yeah, if you, if you can't handle dairy, and I totally understand that from, from your community perspective, um, you know, then don't do it. Um, so, yeah, I, like my wife, Christine, has Hashimoto, so she uh-huh. she has to give up the dairy as well. That. Although sometimes she sneaks now, does it in. She so. do, does she do uh, a similar way of eating? As you or you guys have to alter a little yeah, bit yeah. between the two of you? Well, yeah, she eats uh, probably like an autoimmune protocol ketogenic. 
So it's a little, uh, obviously dairy is her hyper responsiveness. That's what really gets her, um, she has psoriasis, endometriosis, and Hashimoto. So she has the trifecta of autoimmune diseases that makes her uh, break out and everything. So anyway, so, so yeah. She, not, there's no gluten in your house, I can pretty oh much. Oh, my gosh. I haven't had a gluten, a grain, a nothing in this house in, I don't need, uh, 12 years. Wow, wow. So now that I completely screwed up the whole the whole train of thought and everything, in all 400 pounds, what health problems did you have then that you no longer have now? Or so still I how, management or what, what happened? Is, yeah. let, let's hit some health problems that may have in, yeah. been incorporated in that time. So I told you I was on three prescription medications. So one was right. for high blood pressure. Within two months of being on a ketogenic diet, in fact, six weeks after starting on the Atkins diet, which was probably ketogenic compared to what I was eating the 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day, whole plates wow. of pasta, oh my going God. to McDonald's and having the bacon, egg, and cheese with hash browns meal with a big Coke and then having super big gulps. And Yeah, I was an addicted carbohydrate-aholic. <laughs> and wow. so I shift from that to 20 grams of carbs and eating basically the Atkins diet. So um, I'm sorry, what was the original question? Well, doggone it. <laughs> so one of the medications was high blood pressure. We were talking about health problems. That you had at Health 400 problems. pounds. That's right. That's right. So that you know, with the change pressure. in diet, you don't have now. That's right. I got it. I got it. I got it. So high blood pressure went away within uh, six weeks. I was taking medication, and about four weeks in, I'd notice I'd get up off the couch and I would black out, and I'd like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? Right. And my right. wife, about five or six weeks in, said, Hey, I think you need to. Um, I think you need to stop taking that medication for the high blood pressure because you're probably don't need it anymore. And I tested the right. blood pressure and it completely normalized within six weeks. That's amazing. Just from nutrition um, and eating more fat than probably I ever ate in my life as far as healthy fats uh, in the right way. And then, and then the other one was high um, or was a breathing problem. So I was having trouble. I was wheezing a lot and that went right. away pretty darn quickly. And, and then the high cholesterol, which we've already talked about somewhat, but I, I held on to the statin drug for uh, a long time because I still bought into at the time that my cholesterol was a danger. And so I held on to it for about nine months of that year. And at the end of the nine months, I'd already lost 130-ish pounds at that point. And I was like, you know what? Why am I still taking this? I was having wow. bad joint pain from it and, and all the side effects that you get from Crestor, Lipitor, all those tours. And I said, screw this. I am getting off of this medication, and I don't want to take it ever again. And I'm thinking if my body was healing uh, by losing weight, then I probably didn't need this anymore. And that, that's kind of what started the wheels turning on, on you know, wanting to learn more about this cholesterol thing anyway. And so those were the things I was dealing with. Nothing life-threatening at that point. Um, now, obviously, but as I were medicated. Got, it was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, you were yeah, medicated, absolutely. so it was a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that uh, the the problems that I overcame when I was 32 by doing this didn't fully heal, and maybe there were problems that were developing that didn't manifest themselves till later. So today, I still deal with the ravages of the insulin resistance. So that shows up in my carb tolerance still being extremely low. That shows up in, you know what, it's very easy for me to put on weight again. I have to be very mindful of even lifestyle issues that go beyond your diet. 
that could put on weight. And so I've got to manage my stress a little better than probably most people. I have to make sure I get adequate amounts of sleep now. I have to keep an eye on all of the hormonal issues. There's just so many moving parts to this that people all want to attribute uh, failure or success on a diet. And it's not just about your diet. What and you're done. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't exist. Exactly. Right. Right, And that's okay because it's a cross I bear that helps my listeners and the people that follow my work. Hey, he's a real dude too and trying to work through all these things. So I try to communicate, hey, look, you know, if you're not losing weight eating keto and yet you're getting blood sugar control and all of your, your lipids are, are doing well and your uh, A1C stays down, your thyroid numbers are normal and all these things get normalized, why are you worrying about your weight? You're getting healthy. Right. Right. And people, we're such a, we are such a weight-obsessed society. I mean, darn that it's biggest extremely loser. frustrating, huh? I said, darn that biggest loser. Yes, darn right. I, I hate loser. that show with a passion. Uh-huh. I think that show has done more damage to people truly trying to get healthy because they have fixated on, on the number on the scale. On the weight, right. They've glorified right, right. Weight, the weight loss and not paid any attention to the health gain. Well, you know that they right. have had problems with the people that are, oh, yeah. you know, winner of the I know, loser. Yeah, I know these people personally. I've talked to quite a bit of them on my podcast and, and off the air. And, yeah, they, they tell me the nightmare stories that they put them through, the starvation that they had them do, and then just the whole allure of winning, you know, that big amount of money. Right. They made them do crazy things uh, or, 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 I guess, motivated them to do crazy things to win that competition but what did it do to their metabolism in the process? It made it worse, right. and that's not thyroid. a net good. Or their health, or their heart. And it's destroyed their thyroid big time. For the amusement of America, we should be embarrassed. Yeah. We should be embarrassed, be. honestly. I mean, That's pretty much what it is. They've, they've put up all these poor people and, and made them clowns. And, you know, I think it's, it's terrible because you know, I totally agree. But, you know, it's like one of those, you know, like a car wreck. You know, I mean, for people, I don't away. know, you can't look away. And, and I, I don't know yeah. why we're programmed that way, but well, it's, it's a and, shame. And they also yeah, promote I, and, and it as, oh, look how inspirational they are. Sorry, go right. ahead. Former, former anorexic here, I couldn't watch. To me, it was just the, the opposite of, you know, uh, I don't know. For me, it was, it was uh, well, good. repulsive. I, I couldn't watch. I found it very sad and... You know, uh, I'm sure these people are amazing people, and and for us to yeah. to to deem their value and their worth and everything else on their size, to, I don't know. I, like I said, it's a I have my own warped food mentality as a as a former anorexic, but it well, just to me was uh, you know, we're very sick. We are a very sick society. Well, weight. and it didn't start that way. When that show first started, <laughs> it actually you know w- was very uh, well done. In fact, the year that it started was the year that I lost my weight. It, it came on the air about four or five months into my weight loss, and I remember going to the gym just so I could watch the show while I was working out in the gym, and it was so inspiring to me while I was, I was just going gonna through say, that. So it inspired you. Yeah, it was inspiring. It, it did somewhat. I was already pretty successful uh, by the time I started watching it, and I was thinking, well, dang, I could have won some money if I got on the show, but uh, <laughs> but not realizing what they were doing behind the scenes. But then, but then the corporate interest of that show took over. I think they started out as okay, we'll just use this show as kind of a nice inspiration. But then they realized, hey, we're making a lot of money and not really having to spend a lot of money on this show. 
we need to really brand this. So they started reaching out to advertisers. Oh, look at our ratings and you need to come on. So then they had all the product placements in year three and four and, and, and it was off to the races being this big marketing money making machine and not really trying to help people anymore. That is How did so we get on the biggest loser? So they really, they <laughs> really are the left uh, just major health problems, huh? Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I think a lot of them, and I've talked about, I've talked about this on several of my shows. Um, I actually have two other podcasts uh, that I do, and on one of them, we talk about health headlines, low-carb conversations airs on Fridays. And so uh, we talked about that recently about, you know, it, is there anything they can do? And, and you know, I, I think there is healing that can be done, but they might be some of those people where they're going to just have to battle it for the rest of their life and maybe just be content with making their health better, even if the weight's not cooperating. Right. Right. And there are ways to do that. And I have, to, I have to throw in, I think, I think we said this, I think I said this last week too, but um, since living in Costa Rica and right now I'm visiting in Colorado and I, I guess there's more people, so it's hard to say numbers or whatever, but there are more unhealthy, overweight people here than there are in Costa Rica. And, just, just and you're in one of the crazy. more healthy states in the United States. Colorado is deemed regularly at the top of the charts of the most healthy people in the whole United States. You need to come down here to South Carolina. I'll show you some unhealthy oh, people. Wow. Oh, wow. It's, and it's, it's so frustrating because I, I never – I don't really notice it when I'm in, in Costa Rica, so I don't really pay attention, you know. So I just, you know, I just don't think about it. But then when I'm here, I'm, I'm often looking at people going into McDonald's, and, and I'm just thinking, like, I want to help everybody. Like, this is not good. Don't they know? Like, or maybe they just can't help it, or I don't know. It's, it's, it's very. It's a cultural thing. They become so used to. Oh well, that's just that's just food. That's just where you go to eat not realizing that the rest of the world or they don't think available. that's where you eat or what's available. Right. Yep. Right. Well, and they don't appreciate food and and, and I'm and I'm I'm subject to this too and and we're trying to change this a little bit with my son, you know, I mean in order to get your salivary glands going and all that you need to like look at the food and to be able to to digest everything properly and and all that. I mean, you need to like look at your food and pay attention to your food and and not just like, you know, throw it in your mouth and whatever. I mean, people don't realize, I mean, that's what fuels you. Like, do you want super unleaded or regular unleaded or, you know, you, what do you want to put in your body to, to get your body to do what, you know, it can. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm subject to that, too. We, we eat kind of fast sometimes, too. But it's frustrating. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that's one of the things that's going to have to change about our culture. If we're going to really shift people to eating better. They're going to have to realize the, the uh, convenience factor has done our health no good. And no, no, I, yes. I, I think getting back to, to cooking again and, and being in the kitchen and realizing it's actually a fun thing to do and planning ahead and not relying on that box meal anymore. You know, I, I think we've just become so microwave society we just want it, you know, quick and easy. Right. And real food isn't quick and easy, but it's incredibly delicious and nourishing when you put in just a little bit of time. And it doesn't have to be every day, three hours, you know, slaving over a hot stove. You could spend a Sunday afternoon and prepare your whole week worth of meals in about three hours. And then you just pop them uh, in the oven and, and warm them up and you're ready to go the whole week. It's very easy if you plan ahead. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, you know, I so think for for me, it's the big thing with four kids and and the schedule. I mean, uh, yes. just 
uh, you know, I mean, I've been a food-controlled diabetic since 19, and recently I'm in some hot water with my, my doc. My A1C is the highest it's been in, oh my God, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And I said, oh, give me give me a few months, <laughs> and we'll talk again. <laughs> but it's the schedule for me. It's just, oh, my God, with four kids, and they're bigger, so yeah. we have – you know, dance recitals and dance four days a week and baseball and baseball games and, and practices. And I mean, I'm just like, oh, my God, you know. Sounds like stress sure enough, for you my, is probably a big reason that A1C is up is the stress. Oh, for sure. It's not just the stress. It's the food. Our food change. We, we, well, the stress know, can induce you it. to eat the wrong kinds of food. You know, when, when you stress, do you stress eat? I do not stress eat, no. I oh, Like I tell people, because people say, I don't eat unless I'm hungry, and that always makes me laugh. So so you and I probably <laughs> have a little difference of, because I, yeah. I rarely will go more than four hours, and if I don't, if I go four hours or longer without eating, I can feel, I feel really good, and then I'll crash very hard the next day. It's, but you uh, know what? That's what works for you, and, you, and you've right. learned that about yourself. Exactly. So I, I, I appreciate yeah. you saying that. But, no, what's gotten me, believe it or not, is eating late at night. It's the, it's the eating just way too late. It's yep. killing me. So, but yep. it's that schedule. You know, we talked about how people fall into that convenience. And, I mean, I've been doing this for so long, and I still fell into it. I still fell into that, that trap of, of yeah. uh, you know, convenience and just oh my gosh, and I cut you off, Dana. I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I'm I'm just gonna jump in, you know, for me because I suffer with um, adrenal issues, Jimmy, and so I know that that you know the ketogenic diet is great for you and and it's great for a lot of people and all that, but I know that there's some issues when people have adrenal uh, problems like myself, and I just want well, to touch on it a little bit. I'm gonna throw in there. She's not adrenal fatigue. She is not enough cortisol. She is a she is, yeah. but they're not producing, so it's not like adrenal fatigue, right? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if you if you deal with issues where you go and try a modality like a ketogenic diet and you give it a fair shot over thirty to sixty days, and you're still feeling that really crappy, then maybe just maybe there is a a reason to stop it, and that it may not work for you. But I can tell you, a lot of people that have tried this. Um, they they find robust energy and and I, I think it's going to be one of those things you just got to try it and see how it works right. for you. Don't necessarily believe what you've read on the internet like we talked about earlier. You can find things that will confirm or deny everything about your health okay. <laughs> with, That's right. with any modality. And keto is one of those things that unfortunately has gotten a bad rap. That oh it messes with your adrenals and there's really not any evidence of that. There's no studies that have been done on that. It's just anecdote. And so when there's anecdote you got to look at both sides. And so that's why I say be your own best health advocate at that point. Do your own test. Give it a fair shot. Test your ketones. Test your blood sugar. Test that cortisol to see how the adrenals are doing and, and see how it works for you. And if it didn't work out, no big deal. Move on to the next thing. But I think it's something you should definitely try and not be scared of just because of what you've heard about it. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's a that's a great point. And the biggest it thing that, that people, I mean, the two most common, you know, things that you hear about ketogenic or, or low carb is loss of energy and mm-hmm. digestive issues. Those are the two big, uh, and your thoughts on those two subjects. Bull, yeah, so the energy thing is hilarious. <laughs> the energy thing to me is hilarious. Bull funky. It's totally bull funky. Bull funky. Uh, and so, <laughs> I yeah. Like that I like one. 
Oh, I thought that's what you said. <laughs> what no, did I said you say? Bull Sharky. I said Bull oh, Sharky. Oh, Bull Sharky. Yeah, Bull Sharky <laughs> is yeah, the one I've heard. Bull Sharky, though, I have to like add that to my lexicon now. But yeah, energy is one of those funny things because if you're eating adequate amounts of fat, and this is so key, when you cut the carbs, a lot of people, they say, well, if low carb is good, then low carb, low fat must be even better. better. No, 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 no. You've got to eat the fat, number one, to get your calories up enough. Um, and then if your calories are too are low, that, I mean, for me, it's around 80% of my total calories. Now, okay. not everybody has to go that high, but I think at least maybe 60% of you're trying to be ketogenic would be the low end uh, for people that aren't as insulin resistant. And, and think of this, the lower your carbs are, the higher your fat needs to be. So my carbs have to be pretty low. If I go over about 30 grams of total carbs in a day, I'm seeing issues in my blood sugar, which then kills my ketones. So I have to keep the carbs pretty darn low. I have to keep the uh, protein moderated because there's even a glucose uh, effect that comes from consuming too much protein. Protein isn't oh a freebie. You can't have, yes, uh, you there can't is. have chicken breast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, oh, yes. you've noticed that. Okay, good. Yes. So <laughs> the reason that it does that, there's this big long G word called gluconeogenesis. There will be a test at the end of the show. And okay. what it does is when you I'm consume too much protein, yeah, yeah, gluconeogenesis, uh, when you consume too much protein, your body actually has no way to, to store it. So it has to convert it into something it can use, and it uses it as glucose. Through the liver, it gets converted into glucose. So that glucose then raises your blood sugar, and then if the glucose isn't used for energy, guess what happens to it? It gets stored as body fat, and so that's not good. So the energy thing is always funny to me because that's one of the first things that you notice when you get fully keto-adapted after that two-to-four-week two period of adaptation shifting from sugar burner to fat burner yeah in that interim if you only do it a week and you're not fully keto adapted you may feel a little bit of fatigue uh, although we give you uh, ways to to ward that off in keto clarity if you want some tips but uh, the energy comes on like a lion I mean it's just like awesome and remember we talked about it earlier the sugar burner only has 2,000 calories worth of energy the fat and ketone burner has 40,000 of a thin person so 40,000 calories worth of energy, you're going to have a lot more energy than most people walking around. So that one just cracks me up. Now, what was the other objection after energy? Digestion. 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 So, uh, you know, that's where you get the, the right kinds of foods. I think if you're eating real food, uh, real foods in your ketogenic diet, you're going to be better off. And, you know, if you're concerned about getting adequate amounts of fiber, just eat more vegetables. I, I don't see why it's such a big deal to have green leafy vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, all of these things that would give you great digestion. I'm also a big fan of probiotics. I think you should be eating fermented vegetables and fermented foods in general. I also like kombucha um, and other things to feed that gut health, and that helps with the digestion as well. So it could uh, very commonly like failures and those types of things be a combination problem meaning that like you said if you're eating less carbohydrates you're not eating enough fat you have to yep. make up fuel right all right that's right i like Bingo. it ding ding I like ding, it. Ding, I like ding, it too. ding 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 well i mean it worked because it was designed for for the critically ill so you know that's right for epileptics yeah. too yes amazing for controlling pediatric epilepsy 
uh, ketogenic yep. diets. And type 1 diabetes before insulin, that's how they did it. They basically put them on a very high fat, even more hardcore than what I'm talking about, maybe like right. 90% fat, and then the combined protein and carbs was 10%. That was hardcore. So it makes my it hard- Are you talking about the Danaform? The Danaform study? Uh, well, I was just talking about the, the, the general. PDF. Yeah, I was just talking about the okay. general diet for people with epilepsy and people with type one diabetes. That's how they fed them was just this extraordinarily high right. fat diet, and it worked. Right, right. Eighty-five percent reduction. The, the study that I that I'm referring to is an eighty-five percent reduction in pediatric epilepsy, which is very difficult to control with medication. That's right. I mean, it's just it was an extraordinary, extraordinary study. But I think you know, you know, you're making me think. This is good that That's most people just do it wrong. <laughs> they do it wrong. You yeah, know? and it's like anything. I, I think you hear about something and you try to do it on your own without getting a, a plan to follow. And, I, and I'm never a fan of that. I, my motto right. since the very beginning of living La Vida Low Carb has always been find the plan that works for you, follow that plan exactly as prescribed by the author of that plan, and then do that plan as long as it keeps working for you. And I think that's the too only often way to give people, it a fair shot, too. That's right. You know that's what right. I mean? If you're not following that plan, I see people do that all the time. They crisscross. Yeah. You know, they, they don't just stick with the protocol. They'll crisscross and add something else in, and you're, you're like, well, how do you know what's working, what's not, if you're adding all this all these X factors into it, you know? Confounding variables is what we call that. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. So I got to ask you, you talk about, we asked you about a food day, and you said, I really don't have a, an average food day. So, yeah. Jimmy, you shift according to your body. Are there days where it says, Jimmy, we need a little more carbs? Jimmy, we got to yeah. tail back a little bit? Although it's never carbs that I'm adding in more of. Um, When I'm adding in more of something, it tends to be maybe a little more protein. Um, Or or some days, you know, if I want some berries and I I tend to reduce my my fruit consumption because it's very easy to get carbs up there very quickly. Those are carbs. They are carbs. That's kind of more what I was referring to, not not driving through McDonald's drive-thru. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I I haven't done that in forever. Not not getting a hangry for French fries, but... But berries yeah. are carbs. Those right. Okay. Berries so or, or even like some sweet potatoes sometimes. Every once in a while I want one. And and I don't think there's anything wrong again with having a, a nutrient dense source of carbohydrate every now and then. I know it's gonna kick me out of ketosis. I know my blood sugar's probably gonna respond to that. But sometimes you just want it. And there's no there's no fault in that. I think as long as you get right back on it again the next meal, you're good. It's not about perfect perfection, it's about pursuit. I love that. Yeah, that's a flower field right there. I love that in a flower field. Pursuit. It's not about perfection. It's about pursuit. Pursuit. Well, we got to ask you really quick because we're. Do you have just a just a scooch more time, Jimmy? Can we can we get that from you, or do you have a appointment or plan or whatever? I do have a podcast coming up. Go ahead. You do. Well, you tell us. I'm always Cause, recording, cause Pagate, but keep going. I've got bit. about 15 more minutes before I have to go. Okay. Uh, okay. Intermittent fasting. I'm, I'm for it. intermittent <laughs> fasting for health. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, and I, would even say, and I would even say not just intermittent fasting. I mean, certainly if, if you're fasting intermittently, um, that's going to give you some benefits. But even some of these longer fasts, but let, let's stick with intermittent for now. A shortened uh, version well, of it is I fasting. Just yeah, fasting. So I, Let's not talk uh, intermittent or extended. What, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy's thoughts on fasting? There we go. 
Yeah, so I, I just completed the manuscript of a whole book about this called The Complete Guide to Fasting coming in October is when it's coming out. And so, yeah, fasting is one of those things. I used to think it was another F word, and I was I was so against it. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the whole world. Who in their right mind will starve themselves? What is the point? I don't get it. And it's been a journey for me uh, since 2009. I have been on kind of this this educational journey trying to figure it out. And actually, it's even before that. It was Mike Eads, I want to say like 2007 or so. Anyway, it's a long time I've been really thinking about this fasting thing. And I thought it was the dumbest thing because why would you starve yourself? But when I started doing the ketosis stuff and really getting uh, into that and really looking at the science behind it, and I found that I was spontaneously going long periods of time without eating. Uh, now, I know you said, uh, one of you said that you have to eat every few hours, and that's good that that works for you. But what I found when I went into nutritional ketosis was I could eat that one meal at that one or two o'clock, like I mentioned earlier, and I could go 24 hours, upwards of 24 hours, 18, 24 hours before I have to eat again. And, and that is so freeing. I don't know how people intermittent fast if they're not ketogenic, but ketogenic definitely helps you do an intermittent fast. So what I've found, though, for people like myself who have pretty significant insulin resistance, the fasting really helps to heal a, a, a lot of that. Now, it's not something that you're going to see overnight success with. You're going to have to do it progressively. And so I'm working through that actually as we speak. I actually, uh, in preparation for this uh, book I'm writing, uh, I actually started doing some longer fasts. So in September last year, I went on what I was hoping would be a 21-day-in-a-row fast. So what was I trying to do? I was just trying to see if I could make it, number one. But number two, to be able to see what kind of improvements would happen during that time. And when I say fast, I'm not just thinking just water only. A lot of people think, well, what do you, what do you, what do, you do? Well, it's not just water. Water is definitely a big component of it because you want to be hydrated because sometimes if you're thirsty, your body mistakes uh, thirst as hunger and it makes you think you're hungry. So drinking ample amounts of water. I also had some bone broth with some sea salt in it. And this is something I found over the years of testing fasting. You really have to balance those electrolytes. So the bone broth gives you minimal calories, maybe 40 calories for a cup of it. Uh, with the sea salt. And that actually gives you nourishment that it makes you feel like you've had a meal. And then the last thing that I did during that period of time was I, I drank kombucha. So again, very minimal calories. We're not talking about, you know, gobs and gobs of it, just enough to kind of say, all right, I had a little something. So water, bone broth with sea salt, kombucha. I didn't make it 21 days, but I made it 17 and a half days in a row. And the only what, reason what happened to your weight? What tell us what what was the what yeah. was your um, uh, abstract of that? Sure, sure. So the only reason I didn't make it any longer than uh, than that period of time was because we were traveling and I had stress, and I found stress right. was just really a detriment to fasting. If you're if you're going to be traveling, it's probably not a good idea to be doing an extended fast. So <laughs> Maybe an intermittent fast, like I, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow for San Diego, and it's about a seven-hour trip from here to where I'm ending up. And so I probably won't eat during that period of time, and that's cool. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, what did I uh, lose? I lost nine – or what, what did I lose on the September 1, Christine? Was it 21 pounds? Yeah, my, I'm talking to my wife, Christine, over there. 21 pounds total. 
Um, and of course, people say, well, you're going to gain all that back when you start eating again. No, no, no. I actually kept off 16 of that, um, which was pretty cool. And, and I think that's a, a lesson that we're going to be sharing in, in the fasting book is, look, you know, this isn't a weight loss thing, but you're going to lose weight. I mean, it's almost impossible. If you don't eat food, you will lose weight. Um, so that is one of the things that I saw that one of the most dramatic things that happened was what happened to my cholesterol levels. I I've always had pretty high cholesterol. Um, and when I started this, I was at, uh, what was it? 299. And in that 17 and a half days, my total cholesterol dropped to 199. So 100 points. Now you talk to a doctor and we talked about this earlier with, you know, telling your doctor about, you know, if you have high cholesterol, well, give me two months. Well, I only needed 17 and a half days, and I got it into the quote-unquote normal. So Now, what happened uh, there, to your HDL, Jimmy? What, did, your, did your HDL, yeah, HDL change, or was that just overall cholesterol? went down. Yeah, total, uh, total cholesterol went down, but HDL predictably did go down because one of the building blocks of your HDL is fat. So if you're not eating fat right. in your diet when you're, not, when you're fasting, you're not eating fat, not eating anything, uh, right. you know, you're going to see that that – level will go down. But surprisingly, it didn't go down that much. It went only, only went down about five points, which I was surprised. I, I expected it to go down significantly more than that. The most uh, that it went down was in the LDL. That's where it went down. And of course, your triglycerides, which is a key blood fat that you don't want to have high, went way down. It wasn't high already, but it went way down from what it was. So that was cool. Right. And of course, blood sugar cool. levels went down. I tested those daily. Um, and those actually got into like the fifties and sixties, which a lot of people would say, Oh my gosh, that's hypoglycemia, but not when you have the presence of higher ketones, which I was also testing my blood ketones. Those were higher and they actually step in the place of the sugar. Remember you're no longer uh, a sugar burner, you're a fat burner. And when you're fasting, you're the ultimate fat burner because literally your body is, is eating and feeding on that body fat. And so it stands to reason your blood sugar won't be high, doesn't need to be because it's burning fat for fuel. And the byproduct of that fat is the ketones, which is why the ketones got very high, but not to any kind of danger high. Maybe you've heard high ketones is dangerous. I'm talking about maybe three or four uh, for, for what I'm talking about, the danger is 20. So you're not anywhere near the level that would be concerning. Now, how about cortisol levels? Did they test your cortisol levels during that time as well? You know, uh, well, uh, there is no they. I did all the testing myself. Um, oh, so, cool. Yeah, I did all these tests myself. <laughs> I, I'm a, did I'm you a, test your cortisol levels? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I did not with that particular test. I definitely would like to kind of see what happens with that. Um, during a fast, uh, I didn't feel bad just from an anecdotal perspective. I didn't feel that there were any negative effects in that area, but I did not specifically test that, no. Uh, that's, that's the big thing is when blood sugar drops, cortisol will kick in. That's what keeps us, well, keeps us running. I would say if you're in a hypoglycemic uh, state, that cortisol would certainly um, uh, be problematic. But I think in the presence of the higher ketones, that's mitigated, that you don't see that, that problem. But again, I don't know. I did not test that, but I'm just assuming just based on how I felt and, and the fact that the ketones were kind of stepping in the place of that blood sugar. In, in a sugar-burning state, you're exactly right. When that blood sugar would get down into the 50s and 60s, you would see and, and feel that. That would actually be hypoglycemia, and that would impact your cortisol levels. 
how about how about thoughts, Jimmy? Real quick, and we here, here we are, thyroid people. Uh, what what have you found as a general rule, or if there's really no general rule? What have you found with thyroid and and low carb ketogenic diets? You know, yes, it's interesting because. No. You know, it's interesting because people think, well, if you have thyroid issues, you probably should not be on a low-carb, very low-carb ketogenic diet. Again, a lot of negativity on the Internet out there about it. But uh, one of the things that I did in Keto Clarity was I interviewed experts in the field about this. Um, And one of my experts uh, in that book was Dr. Ron Rosedale. And Dr. Rosedale is a medical doctor. He's treated people for decades. And I asked him that specific question, what's up with the thyroid? When people go on a ketogenic diet, why do the numbers tend to go down and, and make it look like the person's hypothyroid? And here's what he said to me. He said, you know, the numbers are lower, but a lower number doesn't mean a lower function. It might actually mean that the thyroid is running more efficiently. So that's our goal. That's what we want to have is the thyroid functioning as it was intended. And when you're not kind of making it work hard, which is what the carbohydrates do to it, when you're not making it work hard, it doesn't have to have as high a number anymore. Um, and so I, I thought that that made sense that, you know, you're not, you're not making it work as hard. So therefore that lower number is actually probably a more efficient uh, running thyroid than if you're a carb burner and it needs to be a little bit higher. Hmm. Does that hey, make sense? That, oh. is a, that is a pondering moment. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Dan, I heard you out there. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm just taking it taking it all in. You I know, know you are. There's there's lots of ways to, to, to look at things and, and like uh Jimmy said earlier, you know, do what works for you. You know, that may or may not work for some people and you have to really listen to your body. Tiffany and I say it on every show. We love that. You know, there is no there is no one uh method, there is no one way to uh to do things. Listen to your own body, and uh, it will tell you. It's smart. It will tell you. So, uh, so thank you, thank you for that, because it opens our eyes to different, different things, different ways to look at things. Yeah, that's why. I'm what's here. on the horizon? What's on the horizon for you, Jimmy? Before we let you go, what what's what's coming up? Books? What's the? Yeah. What's so the, good? the complete guide to fasting is coming out in October. I believe it's October 18th in uh, 2016 worldwide. Cool. And uh, in fact, it hit number two uh, on Amazon Canada. And the only reason it didn't hit number one was Harry Potter is out. So I, <laughs> we couldn't beat Harry Potter. Everybody and their mama's buying that book. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we can have you back. We would love to have you back and, and share the, the fasting. We could talk all things fasting. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's coming up. I, I'm I'm doing a a, a book uh, and speaking tour through uh, the the nation of Australia and New Zealand. Those nations, awesome. and so I'm real privileged to be doing that in September. And I'm always just doing my thing. I'm just I'm I stay busy. I like being busy. It's kind of a cool gig, you know. I'm, I used to be this really unhealthy, morbidly obese man. Uh, at a dead end job that really felt discouraged about what he was doing with his life. And now I feel like I'm a man on a mission that has a voice and able to share and help people all around the world. It's, it's just, it's truly a blessing to be able to do what I do. That is awesome. Oh, that's so great. Yes. Oh, the silver and we're lining, so glad right? we had you on. That's right. It is a silver lining. The silver lining. It makes all the pain worth it now. That's mm-hmm. right. 
Well, sir, thank you. I know we um, we chatted and, and met on Facebook uh, not too long ago, and I appreciate you coming yep. on. I know you got podcasts going all the time, and you're a busy all man. All the time. So we really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Keep us on your radar. Tiffany and I um, really appreciate all you're doing to spread the word and uh, and get get people healthy. So thank you for all you're Very doing and for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Thank it was a pleasure so being much. on. Okay, have a great have day. Have a wonderful go on day. With, go on with your F words. <laughs> did you say the F word? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Free the fat oh, and that's, fast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sir, have a great day. <laughs> Bye. Uh, oh, that gosh fun. darn it. What is the deal, right? Every time. Every time. That That is. Huh? I said every time we, you know, it just, it's. It's always interesting. Every show is great. Every guest has brings its own brings their own, you know. New perspective. Yeah. Right? Right. And, no, no. I and, mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking how great, you know, it is to learn more about the ketogenic diet. You know, because of course we all knew Atkins and and all of that, but you know, it's nice to learn from his point of view. And although I'm not exactly sure that it would work for me or not, of course trying it would be, you know, something that is possible for me uh to do, but you know, it also kind of opens your eyes for people in my family, you know, that, that it might work for my friends, that it might work for. I kind of was like thinking around, you know, when he was talking, I was like, oh, you know, I bet so-and-so. And, and so it just, it's it's really neat. Every show we do is very unique. Well, and my sister, my sister did the Atkins diet, and she looked amazing. But then they tell you to add carbs back in, and then everything went to hell from there. So maybe that's maybe that was the kicker, and doggone it, I should have should have asked him that. But um, I, I meant to ask him that, but but uh, he was just amazing to to listen to. So, but uh, maybe that's because she added the carbs back in, because she looked amazing, like literally 15, 20 years younger. I mean, it was pretty impressive. But then they have you add the carbs back in, and maybe she maybe added too much, and or just even adding the carbs back in. And then not eating enough fat, because my sister's a fat-aphobic person. She thinks fat is what makes you fat. Getting her to take coconut oil, it would be easier for me to stop a speeding car. Seriously. Oh, my gosh, you're kidding. I'm going to plug her right now. <laughs> oh, I'm telling. Sorry, I'm telling. Because we grew up fat-aphobic, my sister and I. We were raised on non-fat milk. We were, And I had no fat. Like, literally, I was insanely, insanely thin as a child, but I don't think that was healthy. I had a lot of emotional problems and uh, behavioral issues. We talk about this all the time, and and, uh, I really think that was the restriction of fat. I think that was a major, major problem. And, of course, now they know you restrict cholesterol in a child under two, and you will kill them. So the body needs fat. Cholesterol is imperative. It's, yeah. (sighs) So I just plugged my sister. She's fatophobic. She's okay. an F order. <laughs> She's, <laughs> She's an F me. She's an F Oh my God. She's an F Yep. Yep. And Love I think it. lots of people are fatophobic. They are. I think so. They are. I do. I think my friend I think my friend Heather is. Um but she started to change. I'm I'm working on her. She's great. She's she's healthy and beautiful. So, and she was a, you know, she did the whole uh, physique, 
um, competing physique and whatever that. Oh you know, yeah, like a bodybuilding thing. And so she's is she beautiful, over 40? wonderful. She is. She did it. She, she did it for 40? her 40th. Yeah, huh? she did it for for her 40th. She did it, you know, like before she turned 40. Oh wow, cool. Yeah. Well, and there we say it all the time, right? Everybody's different. Yep. Everybody's Everybody different. is different. Hmm. Okay. Whew. That was good. Lots of talking. Hey, As you can always, find Jimmy. No, yeah, let's tell say, everybody where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was heading on to the next thing. Okay, you can find him at livinlavidalowcarb.com, L-I-V-I-N, lavidalowcarb.com. And he's everywhere, and he's got books, so check him out. Access to books, blogs, YouTube, everything Jimmy, www.livinlavidalowcarb.com. And his wife has Hashimoto's, so we got a little got a little Hashimoto's talk in today, so... All of that's very interesting, and it was such a great show. So you can find out more um, about him and all of his books on his website. Yes, he connects beautifully through that website to everything, yeah. Okay, now it's my turn. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. We wouldn't be doing this uh, if it wasn't for you, and we appreciate all the listens and, and all the likes and and sharing the word and spreading the message about, you know, getting healthy, listening to your body, because that's really what the show's about. So course thyroid but but really listening to your body and that you know there's not one size fits all so so thank you to the listeners and uh, for those of you that do go through thyroid issues and you have a story we want to hear it so send us your thyroid thriver story and we will publish it on thyroidnation.com and of course please check out thyroid nation essentials i'm i'm in like a flower field right now yeah me too um I am. I feel very calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's me. It's oh, my voice. My it's me. I can't help it. It is. Your voice is very soothing. You are very soothing to me. You are therapeutic. You are. I so love it. we created Thyroid Nation Essentials. Uh, you can check it out at thyroidnation.com. Just wonderful, very healthy, thyroid friendly, synthetic, paraben free skincare. Uh, fluff sprays, wonderfully smelling, good for your skin, just healthy, good, thyroid-friendly skin care. (laughs) Please check it out, Thyroid Nation Essentials, at thyroidnation.com. I am in a flower field. I know, (laughs) right? Well, you know, and we did create these blends, you know, with uh, thyroid patients in mind. Both Tiffany and I are Hashimoto's and have thyroid and other issues. And so this was just uh, something done out of love. There's a lot of love and, and good intention and, and all of that uh, incorporated into every product. And it's not meant to replace or, or any kind of medicine or anything like that. These no. are, just a, support. These are right. just a support, you know, essential oil blends that you can use on your face and your body that are actually good for you because, you know. And it's not just for thyroid patients. No, it's I mean, not. It's, it's- yeah, no. no, I have people at the farmer's no. market all the time. They're like, is this just for thyroid patients? I'm like, no. Very no. just very healthy, synthetic, wonderfully smelling. That you can start Good replacing you. your your synthetic uh, laden and chemical <laughs> uh, facial skin body care with, you know, we wanted to, to try to help people start taking baby steps to, to being more healthy so you can start eliminating some of those toxins and chemicals that you put on your body every day. Our body absorbs like mm-hmm. what? Uh, it's like the second largest organ and it absorbs, you know, what, 80, 70% of what you put. Oh, it just freaks right. us out. So we were just trying to be a little helpful and you can check out those wonderful products um, on our website. 
Make sure to follow us there. And on Facebook, we have a Hoshis and Graves support group. And we always share who the upcoming guest is for the next week and uh, all kinds of wonderful information. So check that out, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, most importantly, always, Dana and I want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual, that's a key word, maintenance and evaluation. Please make sure to always listen to your own body. We repeated that multiple times today. Your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. There is no one-size-fits-all. Nobody can determine what is best for you. So please learn to resonate and consult yourself frequently. That is most important. Trust your body. Trust your voice. That's right. Speak your truth. This I was is Jana, your thyroid nation, Gringatika from <laughs> Costa Rica. And Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide together so that united we heal. Bye, guys. Thank you. <laughs>